Welcome to episode 54 of Music Nerds Unite. This is Scott Floman again with my brother Keith Floman and our buddy Larry Waldman. We're starting a new tournament with this episode, at the end of which we'll ultimately crown the best rock song of the 1980s. As with our prior song tournaments, the way we did this is we each picked 36 rock songs from the 80s. One song maximum per artist. If a song appeared in two of our lists, it was automatically in. Then we pick five songs apiece from each other's lists. For example, Keith and Larry picked five songs from my list. If they both agreed on a song, it was also added to the list. The goal was to end up with our usual 36-song field. But there were a few artists like R.E.M., New Order, and ACDC where there were different nominations for them and no majority. So we're going to debate these songs within this tournament when they come up. Unlike in previous tournaments where we discussed such cases beforehand and decided on the song. We ended up with 38 rather than 36 songs. So our playing round will have more matchups than usual, six rather than four. So we may break up the playing matchup into two episodes. Larry picked the intro song, so he's going to say a few words about it. So I picked Blister in the Sun by the by the Violent Femmes from their, their uh, DVM because I to me, there, there was like no other song that we didn't put into the tournament that that represented the 80s other than yeah it's a class it's definitely a classic it's sort of ubiquitous right yeah and you know and scott and i were talking a little bit before the podcast started about the fact that especially the intro song for the entire tournament it's got to be one that people will recognize at least people who grew up in the 80s would recognize and also one that speaks to people right like this is a this is a perfect 80s teen angst song before emo before grunge like this was you know this is still more of a a new wave synth pop but it's still an angsty teenage song about trying to figure yourself out as you're as you're going through all these changes and trying to figure out who you are and it's just such a classic so the it's shame on us for not necessarily putting it in the tournament but at least we're giving a little bit of respect by using it to kick off the entire 80s tournament we've shunned quite a few giants of the uh the 80s in this tournament so 80s, I think, and we anticipated, despite the fact that it's Scott's like fifth favorite decade. I think he's realizing that he might have underrated it. You're right. I absolutely realize that. It's still probably four, but there's so much good stuff in this decade, and and that's a great song, folk punk, right? We would call it. Yeah. And the and the whole album is great, not just that song. So that could have been, you know, at least an honorable mention in in our uh, original album tournament. So anyway, back to the the overall tournament. Just a little of uh, background info to get it out of the way to, to set the groundwork. Like with most of our prior tournaments, we're using the best ever albums website rankings to determine the seedings, which typically means we'll end up with seedings we largely disagree with, but <laughs> which will hopefully produce some interesting matchups that will lead to lively discussions. And, and um, despite the fact that we consistently disagree with it, yet we go back to it all the time, right? It's still a good site. It doesn't matter the matchups because the the songs that should win are going to be there at the end, right? Yep. What are we gonna What are we gonna do, Larry? Use Rolling Stones list instead? Don't get me started. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 jinx the uh, the upcoming episode. But yeah, now yeah. there's some other sites, or we could see them ourselves. But you know, I think we used to rate your music for one of our tournaments. If I yeah, we used rate your music for one. We we complained about that also. <laughs> We're, let's face it, we're music nerds. We're never going to be satisfied, right? All right, so before we get into the song matchups, I, I do want to talk to you guys about the 80s in general, right? So we just finished the 90s, the 90s song tournament, and, and probably the main things I think about with the 90s 
was grunge and the rise of alternative and Lollapalooza and the concurrent death of hair metal. Then there were other movements like Britpop and the Lilith Fair Ladies and the peak of beloved subgenres like shoegazer and trip hop. So when you guys think about the music of the 80s, what, what comes to mind for you guys? Like what stands out? DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Before or after he bitch slapped Chris Rock. Oh boy. I figured I figured it was a topical. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, to me, I feel like the eighties is there, there are two two distinct things that I have in my head when I think about the eighties music. One is I think about the music that I listened to and grew up with, and that was sort of like because again, this is like my formative years of music appreciation, and it was pretty much dominated by two different kinds of music. One would be sort of the, the beginnings of alternative rock, which was essentially, you know, synth pop and new wave, and then starting to get into more indie rock, even though that's not necessarily what we would call it. Like like labels like IRS that had- College radio back yeah, then. College call, radio, yeah. which is what I, I would typically listen to, right? Both in college and even when I was in high school, because we had a great college radio station in in Providence, Rhode Island. The, but the other thing that I think about, and you touched on this, Scott, is this is, for me, the 80s is when you started to see the dispersion of music across multiple genres. Whereas before rock music was sort of monolithic, like you pretty much had rock, you had not played on the same radio stations, you had like R&B and funk, and then sort of underground, you had punk in the 70s. In the 80s- Disco, disco. Disco, okay. yeah, all, right. Disco also on a, on a different channel, like a different radio station, right? But in the 80s, you started to see there was still rock. Then you started to see metal became become more mainstream and now in which morphed into hair metal. You started to see more. And thrash uh, metal and heavier metals as well. Yeah, and heavier metal yeah. would still be sort of mainstream. But then you also started to see hip hop become mainstream, like in the 70s. Hip hop was still underground. It wasn't really played in the 80s with Run DMC and LL Cool J, and then eventually getting into acts like Public Enemy and NWA, you started seeing more hip hop. You started seeing alternative music and indie rock become more and more dispersed. You started seeing crossovers with even country rock and Americana rock. And so to me, the 80s was now was like the, the beginning of where we are now, where you could start to find your own niche of music and really get into it and listen to it and find it readily available. That wasn't necessarily the case earlier. And it's funny you say that, right? And ignore, ignoring sort of the, the giant in the middle, right? Which was your Madonna's, Michael Jackson's, yeah. you know, Prince's. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think of megastars, right? Yeah. yeah. Bruce Springsteen, U2. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I do, when I think about the 80s, my musical head goes to new waves, like new wave over here and metal over here, like the two groups that would never hang out together, but right. still, um, you know, sort of the, the musical influences for me that sort of carried on till, till today. Well, and that's the thing is like part of the reason why I didn't, I didn't really touch on like the, the giants like Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston, et cetera, whether or not I appreciate it or not, that's not the type of music that I gravitated to. Similar to you guys, I gravitated to new wave and synth pop on one end, metal on the other. And then for me, hip hop also like and and even to some degree, a lot of like 
punk, even though no punk was sort of ending in the early 80s and late 70s and early 80s. But that's when I discovered it, it was like the, the mid to late 80s. And well, so you had post-punk, right? Yeah. Which, yeah, which post-punk kind of became in indie, like Husker Du and The Replacements. And, you know, there was there was still like a whole bunch of of merging of genres, which eventually led to things like grunge as well. So, you know, it's 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 interesting to see how that started to percolate in the 80s. You didn't mention the Beasties. Come on. I didn't. You're right. I didn't mention the Beasties. I totally forgot as I was talking about hip hop becoming more mainstream. You're right. But I do think there's something to be said about sort of the underground from the 80s, like underground metal was sort of forming and all of your different subgenres were being created back in back in the 80s. And again, for for alternative music, you, you had sort of the bubblings up of what would be you know, what would be the explosion in the 90s. But, you know, all these bands were sort of um, creating their own scenes in different areas of the country, yeah. mostly the U.S. Yeah, so you, you guys captured a lot of it with the college rock. Obviously, the uh, the West Coast hair bands, right? Uh, just hard rock in general, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue. You had Bon Jovi. You couldn't avoid it in, in the late 80s, right? And uh, obviously, the rise and peak of MTV, right? That was huge in the 80s. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember coming home after school, after like, you know, after practice, and I can't remember what the name of it was, but MTV used to have a thing where it would be like the top 10 videos and people yeah, the countdown. Go in. countdown, yeah. And like eight or nine of them were essentially hair bands. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Like years, yeah. Years. And, and, you know, so I think the overall influence of MTV was, was both good and bad, it provided a new medium of creative expression, but it, it also often rewarded style over substance, right? And uh, I think you also had the rise of synthesizers, right? And and that kind of that mechanized gated drum sound that was so prevalent and the uh, electro drums, the machines, yep. yep, which in many cases hasn't aged all that well, to be honest. Because sort of the untimely demise of a lot of the 80s, the night 70s, you know, British rock bands that, that couldn't make the transition into the 80s. Good point. Uh, a, a lot of artists from the 60s sucked in the 80s. <laughs> Probably count on one hand the, the ones who were good in that. And some, you know, like Neil Young, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, they rebounded in the 90s and actually their rebirth started with, with strong 1989 albums. But overall, the 80s was very unkind to the classic rockers from, from you know, the 60s. And also a lot of great one-hit wonders. I mean, I guess every decade has. Every decade. Like the, the 80s yeah. had a lot of them. And, uh, and maybe we could do a draft of, uh, of some of those uh, one-hit wonders somewhere along the way. Uh, of songs that uh, that didn't make it into this tournament. Time to hit the matchups. So this first matchup is a real contrast. We have the number 32 seed Journey with Don't Stop Believing from 1981 versus the number 33 seed Bad Brains with Band in DC from 1982. Just a city boy. 
To go then, a little longer than you gave me, Scott. I mean, come on. I know, I know. Classic tune. So, uh, don't stop believing is going up against Bad Brains with Band in DC. about opposites right this might be one of my favorite matchups of all time because it's so <laughs> it's so ridiculous that we would actually put both of these songs in the same tournament and then match them up against each other it's so good it's great. Yeah, great. luck of the draw so should i should i uh go on my diatribe a journey and saying how great they are you can totally go on a, a journey diatribe as long as I get to go on a, a bad brains crusade. Fair enough. So I've always been a journey apologist and feel they've always gotten a bad rap from critics who call them corporate rock and all that other crap. Uh, all right. For starters, Journey had a great singer. I think most people can agree on that. One of the definitive voices of the 80s and Steve Perry. They had a great and extremely melodic guitar player in Neil Sean. And people forget that this guy was ripping solos with Carlos Santana as a as a 16-year-old in the early 70s. 
this guy's got tremendous chops, great guitar player. And and the rest of the band were no slouches either. You had keyboardist Jonathan King was a key songwriter. Though I guess you could argue that is the bright, colorful keyboard sound that he had is maybe sounds dated to the 80s today. Uh, you had bassist Ross Valerie was, was solid enough. And, and then you had two drummers, right? First, Anthony Dunbar in the late 70s, and then Steve Smith in the 80s. I mean, check out their, their Wikipedia bios. These guys got around and are two of the best rock drummers ever. Uh, seriously, they are they are all-time great drummers. So, so Journey was a band with undeniable singing talent and first-rate musicianship. So, so corporate rock my ass. You know, they could be cheesy. I'll, I'll admit that. But, you know, let's use the more positive term uplifting rather than cheesy, right, to describe their music. And uh, certainly Don't Stop Believing was their definitive song, or, or at least it's become their definitive song as it's gotten new life more than a few times over the years due to its various high-profile appearances in pop culture, obviously most famously being featured in the final scene of The Sopranos, right? But it was in the movie Monster. It was in a bunch of other things as well. It's one of the most popular songs on Spotify. You have that that instantly identifiable piano melody, several great guitar parts. Hey, hey, are we really going to try and pretend that Journey is not corporate rock? Just because they what, have, that, what does that even mean, corporate rock? I, I, they're, they're somewhat playing to and maybe it's just it's formulaic arena rock i mean i, I call it right. what what you will oh, they're not original it, but hey, they're they're they're, they're giving they're, the fans what they want it's formulaic arena rock that's that's designed to appeal to a very large group of people like Absolutely. like again and, and it you know, did if, and it did, it and did. If, but if we if we put this to the to the age-old leanne claudia karina test and we played Don't Stop Believing. These two songs. <laughs> yeah. And, and, I mean, it's obvious what which ones they would pick. And they would be like, oh, that's so nice. You picked such a great song. And then we played Bad Brains. They'd be like, what is wrong with you? Right? There are parts of Don't Stop Believing, though, when, when the keyboard's kicking in, that you do feel like it's sort of, you know, it does feel date, right? It does feel like it's not the song. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that. And again, I, I've made this point before, right? You can't separate, you know, sort of songs from different aspects of it that maybe that aren't directly related to the song, right? And Sopranos did give a different, I'll call it gravitas to, to Don't Stop Believing, a, a, you know, a, a greater sense of sort of um, uh, important, importance, not as a song and necessarily in importance but you know how it fit the moment of the you know the ending of the show right yeah. it, it did it does change how you listen to it. it captures sort of you attach it a little bit to the like to a very much artistic to tele, television show and it sort of it, it takes a little bit of that the, again the magnitude of the moment of that episode <laughs> did fit the magnitude and that sort of I think gives a new a new sort of life to the song. Journey was so popular at the time also. This isn't just a retrospective thing. They actually had their own arcade video game. Do you guys remember that? I do remember that they had their own arcade video game. So it was big at the time as well and it's endured as a classic song. Bad Brains did not have their own arcade video game. They did not. 
But I would, but I would argue, and I would argue, I think convincingly that they are far more influential than than Journey, and and the reason for that. So for those who don't know, Bad Brains is a, uh, I would call them a hardcore punk band, or depending on the day or the song, a reggae band from DC. A hardcore Rastafarian reggae. Yeah, hardcore, hardcore metal band. Hardcore punk Rastafarian metal hip hop funk soul band baby but they and and the reason i picked the song band in dc first of all because it's a fucking killer song but also the reason is because they were literally banned in dc they were banned from clubs in dc because their their um fans would go so crazy at their concerts because their concerts were known for being extraordinarily high energy that they got banned essentially from every club in dc to the point where they eventually had to relocate to new york because they had no place else they could play. And this is one of the first hardcore albums. And hardcore punk is was an evolution of punk in the early 80s. Um, there were a couple of bands, I think I nominated most of them as part of this, but I, this is the only one I was able to slip slip through that- uh, Well, maybe that, the next one too. Maybe the next one, but, the, um, but they were very influential. So like, if you listen to a lot of bands that came out in the later 80s, and I would say, Beasties were probably influenced by Bad Brains. Um, I know that the Foo Fighters have have listed Bad Brains as an influence. Um, Chili Peppers have been have listed them as an influence. You hear a lot of that because a lot of these bands that started to play with different forms and different genres of music and combine them into the same into into something that it's its own. They got their start from listening to Bad Brains or listening to hardcore at least. And yeah, they are a very unusual and a very different kind of band. One of the things that I love about this song is, I don't know, maybe four or five months ago, Spotify started playing lyrics on it. And if you if you watch, if you're like listening to this on Spotify with the lyrics, they are, the first two verses are so fast, the lyrics can't keep up with it. it like, it's like delayed <laughs> because it's so fast. It's like, it's almost incomprehensible how fast it is. But then you get about a minute 30 into the song and you and they have the guitar solo and these guys can play it's not just about playing as fast as they can these guys are great musicians and i think they 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 demonstrate that in this song but they also demonstrate that they're a kick-ass hardcore band and one of the great regrets of my musical life was i was either 16 or 17 and a bunch of my friends are like hey bad brains are playing in at one of the clubs in providence like tomorrow do you want to go and i'm like yeah i do and then I don't remember why, but I either couldn't go or didn't go. And of course, the next day they were like, that was literally the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you guys. Like, how come I didn't go? And I I had the chance to see them probably in a club of like, I don't know, 150, 200 people. We probably would have all gotten our asses kicked, but it would have been one of the epic experiences of my life. And I missed out on it. So I think you guys know which song I'm voting for. I I am a big fan. Like, I sometimes regret that um, Paul Diano got kicked out of Maiden. Um, and one of the things I love about that version of Maiden was how it blended punk, like it had the punk metal combination. Um, and that's what Ben in DC sort of evokes for me is is that... Without you know, the, the guitar solos. Yep, it, it's just a great combination of you yeah. know, the punk and metal together it's so power it is so powerful so um yeah this is a this is a good matchup they're uh they're very different uh very different songs with very different um places in music history for sure
Yeah. It's going to come down to you, my friend. Yeah, but I, I do want to say a few things, too, because I, I've always been a fan of Bad Brains also. They were so unique. Like you said, you had four black guys playing blazingly fast hardcore, you know, but they also could integrate reggae, right, into their sound. Yeah. And they later slowed things down and went into a more funk and metal direction on, on what I consider to be their best album, actually, Eye Against Eye. Eye Against Eye is a great, is a great yeah, album. Like you said, they had excellent musicians. I mean, you'd have to be to be able to switch gears musically like these guys did. Uh, that guitar solo, right? I mean, punk is not known for its guitar solos. That's one of the classic uh, punk guitar solos. And and their singer, HR, has such a unique voice, right? He, he reminds me a bit of the... Uh, the singer from Cameo, right? Word up with uh, yeah, yeah. maybe like, throw yeah. a little Johnny Rotten into that. What's interesting is is they were actually nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2017, which was pretty shocking at the time, uh, though, of course, they weren't elected because the Hall had to elect noted classic rockers like Joan Baez and Tupac Shakur instead. Uh... <laughs> Wait, actually, you know, I, I mean, not, not to go on a, a a tangent how does it work like if you're nominated can you not and you don't get it can you not get nominated again you cannot get nominated or you might it's every year is different but what's what's interesting also is that journey were inducted into the hall that same year oh for fuck's sake come on that's it that's an outrage yeah it's an outrage it should have been inducted years before <laughs> you're right. Dad Brain should have been inducted years before. You're totally right. <laughs> Scott's Scott's never wavered off the journey train. No, no, I, yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do admire your your fidelity too. And Keith loved Journey back in the day too. Well, let's be honest, Keith, you were a big journey hey, hey, what, what's the story of our uh, Journey concert? I we saw Journey uh, Game 6, 1986. We went to see Journey. Came home, 10th inning. Mets, Red Sox, Bill Buckner. The rest is history. And every time I hear Don't Stop Believing," I always think of that night and that comeback. So part of it is a little nostalgia. Journey is a very nostalgic band for me, far more so than Bad Brains. Uh, I really like Band DC. It's probably the signature song from Bad Brains, and, you know, it shows off all their best attributes. But to me, it doesn't have anywhere near the universal appeal of Don't Stop Believing. So unsurprisingly, that's my pick here. Larry's going to go Bad Brains, and we'll see what Keith decides to do here. It's, a, it's always an impossible task, right? Like, <laughs> you're picking two songs that are so completely different and evoke such different sort of thoughts. I love... I love bad brains again to me it's it's like the perfect hardcore punk song because it is so metal um and and ultimately so influential um i'm i'm gonna buck a trend though that i have in going against scott and and airing towards the more obscure uh song and i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with sopranos wow a little surprised. A little what's, disappointed. What's, what's your reasoning, though? I, I, like I said, I think the um, just the combination again. What "Don't Stop Believing" became um, was something very different than it started as. And like I said, I can't. You know, it gets it gets hard to separate. You know, um, the different things that get conjured up when you hear the song and. Again, it just has a very different sort of um, 
gravity to it when you hear it today than it did when you were hearing it, you know, in the in the nineties before before you know it became um, just just bigger thing than just a journey song. But that's a great point. How how a song's inclusion in in something, right? Whether it be a movie, a TV show, even a commercial, can definitely affect how it's viewed. And uh, I agree that that def- definitely happened with "Don't Stop Believing." And I'm happy it's going on because I, I love it. It's a great song, and I love Band of DC too. Great, great pick, and uh, I'm glad at least made the tournament, and hopefully uh, turn some people onto it. So, yeah, I think that's part of the point of this, right? Is that a song like Band of DC, which may be not as visible to a lot of people, um, and maybe the clip is going to turn you off anyway. <laughs> but maybe there's a couple of people out there who are going to listen to it and say that you know it's probably worth uh, listening to the whole song. Although that was almost the whole song. Yeah, that was yeah. the entire song. Yeah. So the the hardcore song that that I we talked about maybe in the next matchup is actually the one after this. So anyway, just a, a clarification there because this matchup is there's no hardcore, but it's a good matchup again of very very different songs. We have again a matchup of opposites. The number thirty one seed, another sunny day with you should all be murdered from nineteen eighty six versus the number thirty four seed, merciful fate with a dangerous meaning. Should all be murdered is going up against merciful fate with a dangerous meeting.
Keith nominated both of these songs, so why don't you tell us why? Do I have to tell you why after you just heard those two clips? <laughs> God damn. Um, it, another Sunny Day, right? It's it's the best Morrissey song that he never wrote. Um, totally. Like, if, and, you, if you didn't know better, you would think that was a Smith song. Yeah, or a Morrissey song, for sure. We got to be honest. Larry and I had never heard of this song no, before no. this tournament, and, and right. uh, I think we both great, instantly yeah. loved it. Also, yeah. Yep. And a dangerous meeting is just like it's such a classic me metal song that flew under the radar. It probably got banned places because you know they were Satan related, and um, you know they didn't get the same notoriety that you know that the other metal acts of 84 we're getting like metallica and maiden and but they're they're right there right with with those guys in, in a lot of ways and that song is just you know it's, it's just epic man it's it's got every it's got everything it's dark it's uh lyrics are great you know it's got a great theme um what would you call this like, would you would you call this like just would you call this heavy metal or do you even say it's more like it's even like a forerunner of black metal or extreme metal what would you say? I, again, I think I think they get a little tainted because of the Satan connection to be more yeah, extreme yeah, than, they really, like, than they really they're, were. They're, they're not fake Satanists. They're unrepentant Satanists. And uh, they right. did the face paint and they were scary. And so, yeah, they they were never going to go mainstream. But, but to me, that's the thing about 80s metal that was so great, right? And what was lost, I think, as metal got heavier and heavier no matter how heavy it got, and, and Merciful Fate was pretty damn heavy, there's melody to it, right? You could sing along to it. It's got incredible vocals, right? The, the, the musicianship is great, too. And we even have some cowbell there at the end, right? You can oh, my God. Cowbell. So, I mean, it's great stuff. I mean, I, I think that's, that is one of the things that I love about 80s metal is, uh, you know, it, it was always melodic. There's always kick-ass guitar solo in there. Yeah. I think it wasn't always again. It wasn't always melodic. Just, again, the, the birth the birth of death metal is occurring in the eighties. You know, maybe the later later eighties, but yeah. you definitely had sort of the you you you're starting to see again the Florida death metal scene was starting in Scandinavian countries. It, it was it was yeah, later, yeah, it was yeah, later. A little later on, that is true. And like you said, this is like. The greatest Smith song that they forgot to write somehow. The lyrics are the lyrics are the, great. The, yeah, they're like the, the f everybody, right? They're they're just so relatable. It has a great it's build like, up, right? And the guitar it, solo is great too. And it's not like your classic lead guitar; it's more like an escalating rhythm. But it's it's great stuff. There's a comedic element to it, right? There's almost like a Family Guy. You can you can picture like Stewie <laughs> talking about all the people who should be murdered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's another thing that's another like string that I think ties them to Morrissey and, and, and the Smiths is something. You know, I've always thought that it's there's there's very like morbid dark humor in a lot of the Smiths. Right, it's right. exactly the same vibe you get here. He's talking about all the people that should be murdered, and like he starts with people who were hurt, like who broke his heart, right? And then it ends and it, it ends with the people I don't like. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and this I again I have to give Keith credit. I had not heard either of these songs until this tournament. And I love both of them on the first play. I mean, the first, you know, the the sunny day, like you said, it's so immediately relatable. It sounds like something that I should have known. Like, it's, I can't believe I didn't. But then 
Merciful fate sounds like something that I wanted to hear, but I probably wasn't allowed to hear or something like that, you know? So this is, this is a tough matchup. Again, these are, I, I hate this. I hate this matchup because one of the, one of my favorites is, is not going to advance here. So. But, yeah, this is one of the things where you pick favorites and you're happy that you got them into the tournament because right. it is then, so cutthroat, you right? One your, you know, one of your baby. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and upon reading up a bit after, uh, after discovering this song, so this album was on Sarah Records, also home of the Field Mice, who Keith also nominated, right? Emma's um, House, I think, was the song. That's how I got to, you know, the sunny day was because I loved Emma's House and the Field Mice. It's a great song. People should check that out too. Yeah, uh, it is another great song. I like this one a little better, but they're both great. And and Harvey Williams, who was the leader of Another Sunny Day, was also later in the Field Mice. That's what's great about sometimes doing this this tournaments and stuff is we we learn about these things that we didn't know about and you're like how did i not know about this this is so good yeah uh, also before we render our verdict i just want to send a shout out to slayer's classic thrash metal song angel of death which i believe is barely beat out by this meaning uh, a dangerous meaning as our last metal entry into this tournament, right? So it was, it was kind of we were going back. Let it be. Forth. Let it be known that I nominated both of them. So he's uh, <laughs> our resident metalhead. Nominated both of them, but you know this is this is like the Smith versus Metallica all over again, right? So yeah. So Keith, uh, be careful. Your your metal cred is on the line here. <laughs> hey, I, I I keep I I started this episode by saying, right, the two sort of polar op- somewhat opposite groups of right of you know between metal and sort of uh new new wave uh yeah stuff on and, and just a little bit of background uh king diamond the, the singer with that insane high-pitched vocals is actually the leader of two great metal bands right merciful fate and also his self-titled band King Diamond. So lots of good stuff there beyond this song if you're into metal. This is a tough call. These songs are both great at what they are and what they are, what they aim to achieve is totally different. That's the beauty of music, right? This is a rock song tournament, but even within rock, there are just so many different styles and subgenres. Another Sunny Day song, right? It it definitely has a British slant to it, right? But I'll still go with with that because i feel it's the more universally appealing song here you're going for them even though they're british well my point is like i'm picking it because it's the new more universal song even though it's clearly very british if that makes sense (laughs) i don't know if it does make sense but i'll I'll go with it so uh (laughs) this this is this is a tough one for me looking at like most of the matchups i feel like i had a pretty good way which I was gonna which way I was gonna go as much as I I was intrigued and excited about finding new music because again even though these were in the 80s this was new music to me both of these songs were new um I feel like the one that I go back to or the one that I've listened to a little bit more is Sunny Day and and it's because it's so reminiscent of so much of the music that I loved in the eighties. And it's also just so fucking funny. And it's just, it makes me, it makes me like smile as I'm listening to it, both from a nostalgia perspective, but also just listening to the lyrics. It just makes me, it makes me laugh and smile. Now I do, I do really like Merciful Fate and I I will listen to them again, but for this tournament, not because they're British, more because it just feels more eighties, vibe to me uh, i'm gonna go with another sunny day 
So your vote doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But which, hey, which, which way would you go? He's going to go with merciful fate so that he's the, still the metal guy. Yeah. Well, I'm sort of glad that I didn't have to to be the deciding vote. But that said, I, I in the end, if I, I was thinking, I the the one that was coming to my head more that was going to come out of my mouth. Um, and it's not an easy, it wasn't an easy, I could flip flop, but it was going to be uh, merciful fate. Um, it, to me, it's just the more singular piece of work. And it, right. I, I get the familiarity that another sunny day brings with it. And that's part of why, you know, merciful fate stands out a little bit because there really is no parallel to it. Certainly not of that era. And I, it's hard, like, Maybe you've got, you know, more, it, it probably led to some of the symphonic metal that came in the 90s. But yeah, I, I think it's just the, the more singular piece. And it's interesting, Metallica covered, uh, there's the Merciful Fate medley, right, on the Garage Inc. album. And, and as I heard it, I just couldn't help but think, you can't cover Merciful Fate. You know, it's, it's not the same without King Diamond singing. It just doesn't That's compare. Awesome. Yeah, you can't. You can't. So, two great picks. Uh, it's a shame uh, one of them had to go. Again, that's the problem with these tournaments. You end up kicking out songs you love. Uh, but again, uh, two great picks. Good job, Keith. And uh, we're going to head to the next matchup, which is uh, the other, I guess, hardcore song, you could call it. Uh, although maybe the earlier stuff was certainly more hardcore. We have the number 29 seed, the double umuaded Husker Du with Don't Want to Know If You Are Lonely from 1986 versus the number 36 seed Felt with maybe a lesser known song, Primitive Painters from 
think I get caught up in the moment a little bit. All right, Larry, you uh, nominated Husker Duke. Keith, you nominated Felt. So uh, why don't you guys uh, both talk about each of these songs? Let's do it at the same time. Yeah, go. let's go. So, um, so okay, who's for do? So, who's for do is I, I, I guess you would call them an alternative rock band. Although I think, like Scott uh, alluded to, they started out as as a hardcore band, and uh, I think there was a little bit of internal debate as to whether or not which song we should play from Who's Who Because I, I think is it Scott that you're you're not the biggest Who's Who fan. No, I'm a big Who's Who fan. I'm an even bigger Sugar fan of Bob Mould. I know you're. Fan. I, the, the problem is Who's podcast Who on Sugar. Exactly. So. Huskadoo has a lot of really good songs, a lot of great songs, but I don't think they have a clear-cut number one song. Right, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is their most popular song, and and Which definitely on Spotify, it. I think it's like, it actually has pretty good numbers, like 15 million or something, which is like three times more than their second most popular. There's probably a connection to some TV show. Yeah, you know, that's what I always think when I see that, but it, it's as good a choice as any. It's a great song. But, uh, you know, that, and I think that's why we didn't have any replacement songs also, who were also from the, this, the Minneapolis scene yeah, that Husker Du was in, yeah. um, and also one of the best bands of the 80s. But which song do you pick, right? I, I don't think we ever decided on one. So maybe we'll play them, in, you know, as an intro or outro song, but uh, they're not here. So I, that, that's really the issue I have with this group. Great band. It's, that's right. I, I feel like both of these bands are, are great bands when you look at their entire body of work. They don't necessarily have a standout anthemic, everyone knows it song. And by both yeah. bands, you mean the replacements and those Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. And, and the replacements. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and, and they were definitely a huge part of the 80s scene. Like both of them started in the late 70s, didn't really hit prominence until like the mid 80s when, again, that indie college rock started to actually get some traction and so look i i picked this because again I, you know it's their most popular song i thought it might be the one one who's going to do song that people probably probably know of and and i just think it's a great example and a great um representative of that type of indie music that was really starting to get to the forefront in the mid 80s so need to if we weren't going to pick the replacements we had to get we had a little who's going to do in there and the thing about Husker Du, right, they, they came out with five great albums between 1984 and 1987. Two great albums in 1985 alone, two yep. double albums, right? I mean, that's that kind of productivity. And then, and then after Warehouse, that was it. They were done. They were done. But Mold went on to Sugar and, and, yeah. and a really good song. And solo yeah. So, so Grant Hart was the other songwriter. He was a drummer singer. Mold was a guitar singer. Greg Norton, he had a really cool mustache. I think he, he went on to become a chef or something after. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah he he just, a re- like a restaurateur or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he just retired. Uh, and they were one of those bands who, you know, they went to the major label and everyone accused them of being a sellout and all that. But, you know, the SST albums kind of had a thin sound. So it made sense to go to a, a you know, more professional, more muscular sound on the major label. This was their first major label album. And uh, you can hear it's uh, a bit more of a stronger overall sound, which is which is kind of ironic now because now you wouldn't go to a major label for that because you don't need to, right? You just could produce it in your home, or you could go to any one of the gajillion indie labels out there and do it. But most, you know, we, we're seeing, especially now, more artists just take control of their catalogs by doing it on their own. So yeah, and releasing singles, and then singles, and then finally 
you know, after releasing five singles, coming out with the album, right? So it's yeah. a whole different way of releasing music today. Absolutely. You also did a great cover of Eight Miles High, The Birds. You guys ever hear that? Yeah. 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 Totally intense. And, and I think if there's one word that describes her, could do above all else. It's intense. <laughs> yes. They are an intense band. Yeah. All right, Keith, let's hear about Felt. I, I was wondering if you're going to, if you were going to come off of the Hushkadu uh, no. chatter. No. And when we talk <laughs> about primitive painters, we're not just talking about Felt. We're talking about another singer as well, right? Yes, that's right. I, that's, that's the beauty of, of primitive painters. And, and I, I got to give credit. I mean, Scott probably introduced me to this song 30, 30 years ago or something, like in the 90, definitely in the 90s. Um, and I hadn't, and I hadn't heard of it before. Um, Scott was sort of the indie junkie at the, you know, back earlier. Um, there was, there was a shift. Like I was into the, into, uh, I got into new wave in the, in the eighties, but Scott, you know, had his burgeoning writing career back in the night, (laughs) writing in back in the nineties and and had exposure to to songs. Anyway, printed pages to me is a great blending of different, um, sort of uh, sounds of the '80s, right? There's like a Simple Minds. There's right. It's there's post punk. There's you know sort of Simple Minds, Tears for Fears. There's obviously the Cockatoo Twins, um, and it it all comes together and just a, just a, an amazing song um, that has emotion. It 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 rocks. It right. It kicks ass. Um, I don't know. Together, it's a it's a pretty powerful package. The way it, it comes together, the way she integrates into the song, and sort of takes it to a different level. And she is the star of the song. I was just going to say the same thing. When you mentioned Cocktail Twins, I mean, you have to you have to give credit to the fact that Elizabeth Fraser of the Cocktail is is makes that song. I mean, her vocals in it are just otherworldly. I think it's a great song without her, right? And that's why it's such a great song. It's a like you take a great song and then you layer in sort of this otherworldly powerful you know powerhouse on top of it and it does it takes it to a different level yeah the keyboards are great right they have this kind of this majestic the skies are opening up quality that you hear like with yes and rick wakeman you know without not nearly as flashy obviously it has it has a great guitar solo but yeah liz Liz frazier takes it to another level and it's interesting how you know, she was with this great band, the Cocktail Twins, but you could argue her two greatest vocals are here on Primitive Painters and Massive Attack with Teardrop, right? She's just phenomenal on both of them. So we got to pick a winner. Now we got to pick a winner. All right, so this is a good matchup, but if you follow this podcast, you know that all things being relatively equal, more often than not, I'm going to go with a more ambitious and epic song. So or a longer have- song. Or a longer song, same thing. So I have felt and Primitive Paint is winning, and I think it'll end up moving on here in a majority, but not unanimous vote. Let's see. Interesting. So by that, I'm assuming that you think that I'm going to pick Husker Dale, because I would imagine that Keith would pick Felt since that was his pick. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But I'm going to surprise you, and despite the fact that I did pick... I'm going to go with Felt because I I kind of agree with you. I think it is a more ambitious song. I I even hear a little bit of like the the beginnings of of a little shoegaze going on with it as well. And I I just, 
it's one of these songs where like well that's <laughs> I, I right i brought up cocktoo twins in the, the shoegaze yeah discussion as, as well yeah it totally fits and look like i feel like like if don't want to know came on i would i would listen to it like it's it's like a, it's almost like a, a playlist song right like you know you're listening to hardcore or punk or even alternative playlist from the 80s it would probably be in that list and it would come on you'd be like yeah that's cool yeah but i don't know if i would go to it whereas i feel like primitive painters and felt it's more a little bit more epic it's a little more evocative i i will go to it so that that's what i'm picking all right cool and is this a song you knew beforehand or or, no. or cool no. Another discovery. I, I gotta give I gotta give Keith credit in picking lots of stuff that even although, music, although Keith wouldn't you know. know this song without me. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I gotta give I gotta give Scott credit. Well, I, I at least which then Keith then put into the podcast. How about that? that is true. I, I, think, I, I think I, I did consider nominating it. I wouldn't have known about it back in nineteen ninety five if it wasn't for <laughs> Scott, but probably by now. Probably, it probably by now would have been I mean, don't want to know is a great song, right? Bob's Bob's upset again. Grant wrote this song, so Grant's <laughs> upset again. Either one of them is going to be upset. Whoever, whoever wrote it, whoever wrote yeah. it is is pissed off. And yeah, that's a safe um, bet. Uh, and it's it's classic Oscar do. It I I could appreciate sort of it being nominated because you know you representation of us could do is worthwhile but um but i i would have picked primitive here it is the better over it's a better overall song this is it hits harder overall all right it's unanimous all right to recap part one of this playing round uh so we have three songs in this uh episode we're going to do three more in the next episode to complete the playing round we had the number 32 seed, Journey, with Don't Stop Believing, beat the number 33 seed, Bad Brains, with Band in D.C. Then we had the number 31 seed, Another Sunny Day, with You Should All Be Murdered, beat the number 34 seed, Merciful Fate, with A Dangerous Meaning. Then we had the number 36 seed, Felt, with Primitive Painters, which unanimously beat the number 29 seed, Hurts Could Do, with Don't Want to Know If You Are Lonely. We'll be back again soon with the, with more playing picks. So uh, as usual, I enjoyed talking tunes with you guys tonight. I think uh, this playing round and the next one, even more so maybe, has a lot of compelling matchups of songs that maybe most people wouldn't have thought of. Have a good night, everybody. Night, everyone. Awesome. Before I play my outro song, any guesses as to where I might be going? You got to give us a hint. We're going straight out of Compton, motherfucker. You're good, my friend. You're good. Now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Some
where you from? Straight out of Compton, another crazy ass nigga. My pumps I smoke, yo, my rap gets bigger.